Your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back into our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now here is the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome everybody. All right, today we're talking about finding our soul. You know, what does it mean to be spiritual people, beings, having a human experience, and how does it relate to our everyday lives? So we're spirits living a human life in a human body. And spiritual psychology is founded on the principle that we are each spiritual beings having a human experience. So if you sit with that kind of a statement for just a moment, it becomes self-evident. We're not human beings striving to be spiritual. We're already spiritual beings, meaning we exist in spiritual form before we were born into the world. And first and foremost, we're eternal souls. And it's a very quiet moments of our busy lives. We can reconnect with that and understand that that knowledge is there. And that soul carries a lot of wisdom, you know, and our soul, that part of us that observes quietly behind what we do, think, believe, feel, existed before the human life, and will continue to exist after our present physical life transition. So each of us, our soul is where unconditional love, unending forgiveness, compassion, harmony, peace, and joy reside. It's a little piece of the divine, and it's a spirit, and it's experience in this life that actually our soul comes with us into this life. And it teaches us lessons like how to do what's right, how to have compassion for others, how to understand that a purposeful life, as Rick Warren once said, is it's not about you. And so that's a really important component to understand. And soul-centered healing is awesome because oftentimes it is the greatest healing that a person can encounter. And I think if you believe in Christ and Jesus, uh, you would witness that in all of his work every day, 24 by 7. You know, and then there's other problems that include substance abuse, alcohol abuse, depression, and so on. And they have enormous value preventing us from working through our soul. You know, so the clearing is a center of spiritual healing and all the fates are welcome. Yes, faiths are all welcome because they all want us to get back to that soul. And when we say spiritual, we don't mean religious. You know, spirituality is our own very personal relationship with the divine. However, that may manifest in your life. And we're all different. And therefore, we approach that our personal relationship with our soul will be different for each of us. You know, we work with the principles of spiritual psychology, which are universal truths. And that's kind of the work that I work in in my own profession. And it cuts across a whole plethora of religious dogmas which exist in our world today. You know, there's a lot of weaponized religion going on in this world. There always has been, and there always will be. 
but we have to recognize the power of love to heal because the spirit is love. Our soul, when our soul is the most powerful force in the universe, if, it, if it's applied to hurt, we heal. It is simple yet very profound. And most of, most of us spend our life avoiding it or running away from it. You know, as spiritual beings, it's really super important for us, you know, to discover that we experience the same type of problems over and over and over. And yet, our soul looks for context rather than content. It tries to understand the overall experience. And it tries to give us loving lessons that are objective and separate from our emotional connection and meaning in whatever we're experiencing. And though that uh, life experience is really important, it's also important to understand that other people are experiencing maybe even the same situations, maybe even the same experience through their own personal perceptions. You know, it's really important to show you how the challenges of your life are blessings. So we look at life like this. There are blessings and there are lessons, but there is no failure. And what do we do with the lessons? Well, our soul wants us to take those lessons and convert them into testimony. Yes, testimony means how I've dealt with this particular problem. I'm going to be able to use that to help others that are in the same situation. And that's an important thing for us to understand, you know, especially if we're in dark times, we need our soul in our dark times. That is an important part of our process, you know, and, and understanding what our soul is and where it is and identifying how to get back to it is critical. There's a lot of people that will use mindfulness as a way to get back to it. Some people use prayer as a way to get back to it. Others use meditation to get back to it. But the idea is we're always trying to go back to where peace is and peace is in our soul because our soul learns to accept much easier than our human life. You know, life becomes a beautiful thing when we get in touch with our soul because now we have a purposeful life because our soul is here to serve that means that many people will make the soul serve themselves and that's unfortunate because that's a thing called free will but the soul is here to serve others it connects with other people and the reality is of the soul is among the most important uh, questions of our life. Although religions go on and on about its existence, how do we know if it really exists? So a string of things uh, out there, experiments and ancient uh, spiritual questions have, have been asked. You know, the idea of the soul is bound up with the idea of a future life and our belief in a continued existence after death. And it's said to be the ultimate animating a principle by which we think and feel, but it isn't dependent on the body, you know, and, and an, inference in, 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 an inference in its existence is really important. And it's important to understand that the mysteries of birth and death, the play of conscious during dreams, you know, and even the, the commonest mental operations such as imagination, memory, suggests the existence of a really vital force. It's called Elan Vital, and it exists independent of the body. Yet, the current uh, science doesn't recognize this spiritual dimension of our life. And we're told we're just the activity of carbon and some proteins, and we live and die. And the universe, well, it's, it, it, it has no meaning. 
And it all has been worked out in the, in the equations. No need for a soul. But you see, that's interesting because uh, I know a, an author that is writing a book and it's basically saying if you're an atheist, you're basically telling the world and yourself that there is no God. Well, that makes you God because you have that opinion. And I think that's a very interesting thing to think about, you know, that if you're an atheist, you are your own God. Yes, you may not believe in God, but since you've dictated to the world that there is no God, you are also making yourself God. You know, it, it's it's really important to understand that there's not many references out there in this life to our soul. You know, there's a, there's a notion of a immaterial, eternal essence that occupies our being, but the soul has never been seen under a, a microscope or spun in a laboratory. It is all about faith. It is all about common sense. It is all about our ability to understand what is beneath our skin and what motivates us to do good things. See, here's what's interesting about the soul. The soul is also paired up with our will, which is our determination to live no matter what the circumstances are. So we may be dealt a really bad hand, but the soul is there to teach us how to play it well. It is our survival mechanism, will to power. That is our soul. That is driving us. And so we do that. We tap into that. When we have nothing emotionally to motivate us, we have to tap into our inner strength. And the more we do that, the more we understand that there's more to us than just our bodies. You know, life and consciousness are central to a new view of being reality in the cosmos. Although we we have a whole bunch of scientific uh, paradigms that's based on the belief that the world has an objective observer, independent existence, real things, real experiments, real science suggests just the opposite, that we think life is just an activity of atoms and particles. You know, that's not true. It's not all just that. That may be what manifests us here, but that is not what drives us here. You know, there's a lot of understanding that we have to also hope in this life that there is another life. And it gives us courage to meet our own death because we know the soul may live beyond us. The soul may journey beyond us. The soul may actually uh, occupy another life or, or, God forbid, go to heaven. You know, And to bear the depth of our loved ones, we, we're twice armed if we fight with faith. And that's an important understanding. You know, Jesus, once again, was a soul living a human life. So what he did, he operated from the soul looking for pain in anyone. He didn't care categorically if you were rich, poor, whatever. But what he did do is he searched for pain. And what did he do? He gave compassion to pain. And that is the comfort of the soul. That is what we all owe each other in this life, especially when we choose to suffer for other people in our lives, in particular, maybe your spouse or your children or your family, whatever that may be. However, that comes from your soul. That is the desire to stand in pain and help other people in pain with sympathy and empathy and caring and concern and compassion. You know, the disciples didn't even understand that concept. What the disciples did is they worried about safety. They worried about human life. They had very little faith. Many times they questioned their faith many times. And Jesus kept showing them what the soul is capable of over and over and over. And they never even got it completely 
until he finally was, well, not finally, but when he was sacrificed on the cross for our forgiveness so that we would never have to sacrifice animals or ourselves again, that we can actually understand that the world as it is no longer needs sacrifice. The sacrifice came from Jesus. Then we have to sacrifice for each other. That's the important part. You know, the language of the soul is compassion. The other language of the soul is to do what's right for us, what's right for others, what is right. Those are the important values that we need to operate by. And if you do that, you're on a pretty good path uh, to rolling into the final days of your life. You know, the, uh, the persona is the holder of our expectations and resentment. That is our human life. You see, and it's really interesting that people that live a human life lose their love, lose their soul to anger and resentment. And what they don't understand is, is that anger and resentment have the need to have to take action because they're, they're fight or flight based. And so the need to take action is the problem with anger and resentment because you always feel like you have to do something about it and it's usually not very constructive. That is the uh, that is the exact opposite. That is the exact opposite place that a human being needs to be. If you want your life to be limited and empty and sad and trapped, the best way to do that is live with anger and resentment and not have the capacity to forgive. The, the idea that we're animated by an immaterial soul that outlasts our body is an ancient one. Even Plato wrote that the soul is the non-physical entity giving rise to our intangible abilities, such as thought, feelings, memories, and, and uh, imagination. And so it's really a great understanding that all people do know there's something else there. Whether they recognize it or not, that's a different thing. Going back to anger and resentment, if you want to get rid of it, go down underneath anger and resentment and look at the emotions that might trigger it. So the emotions that might trigger it would be disrespect, uh, discounted, uh, betrayed, fear, frustration, sadness. There's a whole bunch of different emotions down there. Those don't have a call to action. Why don't you live in those emotions and talk about them? Because nobody's going to be offended in you talking about those emotions. But you display anger. You're throwing the whole place into fight or flight, including your own life. And that means somebody's got to do something because you're calling a call to action and you're making using your anger as a means to motivate other people to do things that they may not really want to do. And sadly... People develop more anger and resentment for you for offering anger as a way to live. You know, people who had their right and left hemispheres uh, uh, severed to control epileptic seizures, and that was done up until almost the 60s, where they had a, what's called a, a split brain. You know, the normal people and an object shown to one side of the brain is seen both hemispheres. However, since the right and the left sides of the brain are no longer connected in the, in the split brain patients, objects shown in one hemisphere are not seen by the other. Isn't that interesting? You know, it, it, our brain is, is in, in remarkable uh, a part of our body. It is intricately wired and it has a lot of incredible things to offer us. But it also is the organ in our body that is the most in touch with the action that our soul needs to take. And part of its operating system 
has to come from the soul. However, people that are narcissistic, self-centered, borderline personalities, antisocial, you know, whatever you want to call it, that these personality disorders are an operating system that was made here on Earth. They were made through the abuse, neglect, and all kinds of other stuff. So, you know, our invisible abilities, like our thought processes, our memories, our emotions, are actually visible to our soul, visible to our brain. But what is the ability to manage those things has to come from the soul being a part of that if we want to accomplish things that help other people, that are conducive to other people's lives. You know, it's very important for us to understand that, you know, it, the evidence of our soul is how it operates our brain, how our soul is a part of the goodness in which we decide to take action or the selfishness that we decide to take action. Selfishness is soulless. You know, there's also a lot of questions that emerge. You know, we, we change as we age, and sometimes we age, age dramatically. I know that because I'm old. And uh, uh, the version of our soul sometimes lives on dependent on the context of how we're living. If we live alone and with nobody around, uh, that's going to be one way to live. If we're still social, that's another way to live. If we're old and raising children still, that's another way to live. You know, if we're big travelers in, the, in our little sprinter vans, that, that's another way to live. So the soul occupies where we are in our life. Hopefully it drives some of where we are in our life. But what we have to understand is, is it has to come with us situationally. We are meant to live experientially. And that is something we're going to talk about in the next section. So come back. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Nobody plans to get divorced. It's bad manners to even suggest it. But here in the United States, we know that 50 to 60% of marriages end, and the percentage is even higher for second and third marriages. Host Brooke Benson, a certified divorce lending professional, hears from divorcing clients all the time. I don't care, just make it end. When in reality, there should be a plan for splitting up, especially when children are involved. Plan for Divorce provides practical, sensible information for anyone thinking of ending a personal relationship, legal marriage or not. Couples of the same sex or the opposite sex can hear suggestions from experienced professionals, not from the neighbors, to lay the groundwork for best outcomes. Take charge of the process. Protect your kids, your assets, and your sanity. Start writing your next chapter. Plan for Divorce, your next chapter, Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 
Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about finding our soul. You know, your essence can't be captured because it is constantly in flux, and that is your soul. Um, you're like a, a, a big uh, bouncing ball bouncing off of all your environments that you put yourself into. Sometimes you bring out your inner child. Sometimes you bring out your your father figure. Sometimes you bring out your adult self. Sometimes you bring out your sibling. Sometimes your sometimes your best friend comes out. Sometimes the boss comes out. Sometimes the tennis player, uh, parent of a child in a sport. You know, whatever it is, that part of us can come out. You know, God forbid somebody that was a fan of the the boy bands in the nineties. You know, <laughs> wearing all these different hats makes you wonder if there's really such a thing as an unchanging self. Well, it fluctuates. It adapts to liking and not liking certain things. It can see the good in things that other people can't see good in. You know, your soul is an interpreter. It interprets life for you. And when you use it, it can do a great job of finding the good in everything and being grateful for everything you have. You know, and our essence is, 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 if it's separate from our body, chemicals that affect the body should not affect our essence. Yet certain things like LSD and shrooms and, and uh, uh, even food can uh, create hallucinations. You know, there, there's also um, things that can de- decrease our empathy, like taking drugs. You know, or even taking prescription drugs can change your personality. Statins can cause mood changes. Nutrient deficiency, dehydration, fatigue can also have a dramatic impact on how we think and act. So once again, how well you take care of yourself depends on how connected you are to your essence, to your soul. Now let's talk about the loss of a soul because in our society, there is a mysterious phenomenon occurring such as soul loss. And this has been vastly arising after COVID when all of our rights uh, are taken and everybody has to now be fair, which is a first world problem about everything in this life, which is also the basis of communism, by the way. And uh, uh, it's arising with all kinds of ages and genders and races and backgrounds. Indigenous people have known about the occurrence of the soul loss for a millennia. As a matter of fact, that's how they referenced the white people who took over the United States, is they basically said they were soulless. 
And, and as a result, there's an inner fragmentation caused by a traumatic experience or an intense shock to the mind and the body. That's why we go to war. You know, there are many of us, soul loss sounds uncomfortably familiar, but this experience is usually temporary. And with the proper inner work, if you do that, you know, these lost elements of ourselves can be reintegrated into our lives. And when we experience a soul loss, as a part of our sorrow or, or our soul or our living essence uh, provides or shuts away, hinders us from expressing and experiencing our true potential. As human beings, oftentimes entire aspects of our psyches are completely blocked out or repressed because we're living in denial, because we live in anger, because we live behind all our coping skills, God forbid. And if we're going to live with coping skills, we are coping with life. We are not living life. The soul is meant to live life. That means it wants to be right here in this moment and nowhere else. Right here, not in the future, not in the past, not in your head, not predicting catastrophes. It means plug in where you're at, plug in where you're at. And the more you can do that, the more in tune you are with your soul's journey. Soul loss does happen here in the modern world. We have the luxury of losing our soul because we're so comfortable and opinionated and live in our heads and live in our intelligence and live in whatever we create to make our life easier. But the deal is now that we're not living in the woods or living in tribes or even having to socialize, God forbid, because most people don't. Um, bottom line is we are losing our essence of understanding how important our will our soul is to our very existence because our life is not always in danger and we can afford to have soul loss you know as people we lose connection with our souls you know every time we identify with our egos our ego is our persona that we present to the world and make sure that that's how you see me through this persona I have, and seek to feel whole again through addictions and stimulation, dogmatic beliefs, conditional relationships, anger, resentment, workaholism. You know, there, there's all these things that we hide behind in this life. And unfortunately, the beauty of us is lost. And we need to gain that back. We need to reclaim our souls, which means that we need to have purposeful lives, not lazy harmless or harmful nasty selfish self-fulfilling prophecy lives we need to have spirit in our life you know we begin experiencing weakness and fatigue depression anxiety and emptiness when we just live in our heads and we know that something is missing in our lives but many of us struggle to discover what it is and what it is is your soul you have the answer you just have to tap into it but you're hiding Hiding from that. And I guess you're afraid because you can't see it. You don't know what it really looks like and what it really is. But what it really looks like and what it really is works through you. That is your accountability in this life. If you want to understand if your life is going to have any meaning, any power, any legacy to leave behind for other people to go, wow, I'm really glad that person was here. Remember all these things that we did. Remember what they said. Remember how we work. Once you go there, the beauty of it is you start to understand that your soul was a part of those moments. A meaningful life means that you have memories. Memories are connected because the soul was present. And I know it's hard for many people to understand intangibles, but 
if you understand yourself and a very, very intangible understanding of truth, you also understand you have to get back to your soul and have a relationship with. You know, if you imagine that a young child is molested or abused, so in order to cope with the horrendous experience that the child experiences, they escape by maybe disassociating. That never happened. Or detaching themselves. You know, I don't remember that. Or uh, from the situation. And in the process of protecting themselves, they create various alter egos and different personalities within themselves as a defense mechanism to cover up the humiliation and horror of what they uh, lost when they were young. And this is called a multiple personality or a disassociative identity. There are many people with disassociative identities that are traumatized. That's usually where it comes from. And we have to understand that trauma will detach you from your soul. And so the work of the soul is really important. You know what? You know what therapy is actually one of the most powerful forms of understanding how to heal PTSD, and that is equestrian therapy, where a person who is disturbed from a traumatic event actually has to form a relationship with a young horse. But to do that, they have to calm themselves down. Excuse me find peace in themselves and be able to create something in their life where they have a relationship from their soul. That is one of the most healing things a person could do. But soul loss or disassociation is not limited to extreme cases of trauma by different degrees in many people. Addictions, eating disorders, identity disorders, post-traumatic stress, depression, codependency, narcissism, self-esteem, and adjustment disorders are all common causes for the loss of our soul. So let's say a young woman who dreams of being an artist, but also has to live up to her parents' expectations of becoming an engineer or a doctor, will lose a bit of their soul, ignoring the essential part of her being. Or suppose that young woman does go ahead, follows her dream of being an artist, but deep down she still depends on her parents' approval. She then either blames them to avoid taking responsibility for not pursuing her 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 passion or, or for pursuing her passion, or she develops depression because she's not accepted by them because she didn't do what they expected. Well, guess what? If you're going to be an artist, why can't you also be a doctor? What would happen? You know, why not do doctor's work through your soul? Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing if you had a doctor who cared, who really cares? Not that there aren't. There's a lot of doctors that do it for the right reasons. But, you know, we have to understand if you're going to be an artist, you have to be deeply connected to your soul. And you have to want to project your soul on the world and enlighten it with your understanding. You know, what artists do the best is magnify the beauty of something that they see beautiful, but they magnify it for us to see it as beautiful as well. You know, uh, this is what happens, though, that you might be experiencing a loss of your soul, that memories and parts of your life have been blocked. You experience a lot of the periods of depression. Parts within yourself feel missing and broken. You experience a, a general emotional numbness to life. There's constant feelings of fear and anxiety that, that plague you. You know, you may feel lost or incomplete. You may feel like a different person after a traumatic event. 
You may feel stuck and incapable of overcoming certain issues in your life. You know, if, if you feel like you've lost soul, here's another way. See, there's a million ways to actually lose your soul, and we do this all day long. Let's say you feel disappointed in your life. You know, you feel as though there's a lot of personalities within you. You try to escape with alcohol, drugs, sex, television, excessive business, busyness. You feel unworthy of being loved. You experience a dark night of the soul or a spiritual emergency. You want to find your purpose and meaning in life. Well, purpose and meaning in life is simple. Be present. Be present. You know, if you want to avoid people, which everybody does now after COVID, you know, that's another loss of your soul because you don't want to connect with the world or you're too afraid that you're going to be rejected. You know, the answer to get your soul back is it you want to have an awakening it you want to go back to it and anchor and that's called faith you know when fear enters faith leaves when faith enters fear leaves and so it's really important to understand that we have to live in faith you take a leap of faith buying a house having a family getting married uh going to school doing whatever making decisions of any kind including where to go to for dinner all of that is a leap of faith. Go to the grocery store, get in your car. All of it's leaps of faith. That's life. That's why the soul has to be a part of that. You know, for the for you know, we have to understand that we've got to retrieve our soul and anchor on it, and anything else is a distraction. You know, ways to get back to it is things like uh, uh art therapy or dream work, you know, dream, dream without a budget. And see what your your brain comes up with, you know, singing, uh, chanting, meditation, visualization, keeping a journal. You know, these are ways to get back in touch with your your soul. You know, immersion in something. You know, moving therapy like yoga or dancing. You know, there's all kinds of areas that we can get back in, and it's so simple. It's all simple, simple, simple stuff. But we need to do that to plug back into our soul. You know, our soul likes to dance. You know, as humans, we have a tendency and a reliance to judge, to label, to construct stories. But what do you think gets you in tune with liking a song? Or what do you think really jazzes you when you actually like something like a movie? Your soul. Your soul will light up on certain things. You need to stay in touch with that because those are the essence that we want to get back to. You know, we, we can sit around and judge everything in life. We can be that sarcastic person. But the problem is, is that's not where the soul lives. You know, the way we react to life circumstances through suffering, we cling to temporary pleasures, chasing them in, in, indefinitely in the belief that will make us whole and satisfied. So we believe that we are limited by our humanness and physical body. You know, in, in Hinduism, this is called cosmic delusion or maya, you know, in Sanskrit. Maya is considered to be the veil of illusion that humans are trapped in. And this illusion masks the reality of our true nature and our true authentic self, which is the soul. Many religions even seek to pierce the veil or attain freedom from the illusion by following spiritual paths to enlightenment. You know, but spiritual awakening 
and enlightenment are often used to describe Maslow's psychology term of self-realization and the attainment of a state of being that transcends the human experience, either momentarily or continuously in the form of bliss, of love, of joy, of wholeness. And if you want to be whole, you have to accept the fact that you have a soul. That makes you whole. That is the component that you have to learn to cultivate and understand. It is the connection point that your human life has with others in this world. It is the point in which we all have to exist and stay existing in this world with other people, with other beings, with other environments, with other objects, with our home. You know, our home is also needs to be the sanctuary for our soul. Our home needs to be the place our soul can find peace in because it knows what it's coming to and it knows how to take the best advantage of what's at home. You know, our family should be our connection point of our souls. That's the one thing that all parents need to be able to teach their children is how to be in touch with their soul. You know, the more you identify pain in other people, the more you understand the deepest part of love. That's what truly keeps people together. It is souls recognizing pain and showing compassion for it with any human in this life. That is what we owe each other as people. That is what we're here for, is our best friendships and our greatest relationship with God is always going to be found in our most challenging pain. And the more we go down that path, the greater our life becomes and the greater build our life has. All right, we're going to take another break and we're going to talk a little bit more about healing the soul. So come back. Want to see what Voice America is up to behind the scenes? Follow us on TikTok at Voice America Talk Radio. Do you often find yourself at odds with coworkers, friends, or family? Do you have a short fuse and easily end up in arguments? Frustrated with your inability to have a healthy dialogue with anyone? Maybe it's time for a shift in your communication style. Maybe it's time to stop telling and start listening and join this podcast where you'll discover how to elevate your conversation and navigate the tensions in those difficult relationships. Stop telling and start listening with David Cook, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. On Read My Lips Radio, producer and host, a.k.a. Radio Red, invites you to eavesdrop on her live, unscripted conversations with smart, savvy, creative people as she discovers what makes them tick, where they find their inspiration, when creativity first became their passion, and how their creative process can inspire the rest of us to think out of the box. Enjoy, a.k.a. Radio Red's always lively, cool conversations with creatives. Mondays at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Oh, how those lips can talk. Tune into the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. 
are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about finding the soul. You know, there is a uh, really understanding that there's a direct bearing on the question of whether humans and other living creatures have souls. And uh, even uh, 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 Kant, who was about 200 years ago, everything we experience, including all colors, sensations, objects we perceive, are nothing but representatives of our mind. That's what the atheists would say. All of this is represented by our mind. God forbid our brain has its own operating system, its own motivators, its own willingness to drive itself. It does that all by itself. That's how those folks will perceive that. The truth is, that is not what it is. We have to have the courage to meet up with the essence of ourselves. The essence is the driver. The essence is very simple. Do what's right. Compassion for pain. That's the path to heaven. That's the path of your soul. That's what it wants for you. That's where you have to anchor. Not do what's easy for you. Not do what's convenient for you. Do what's right. Or do what's hard so you can make your life easier. Those are the essences of the soul. That is the hard work of living. And we have to stay focused on that. And the more we tune with that, the easier it is to operate from our soul. You know, to view ourselves as flesh inhibited by a supernatural soul that's separate from the world is misguided and unhealthy. The soul has an idea rooted in selfishness and vanity, and it deluses, uh, deludes our sense of humility and empathy. And if we're going to live that way with that sense of sarcasm, what's going to happen is we're, that sarcasm is going to get in the way of our soul and our human life. And so, you know, the, the soul is intimately woven into the fabric of not only ourselves, but the universe. And it's also interconnected with everything and everybody that we exist with, including your wonderful pet dog or cat. You know, we did not get to choose our microbes. We did not get to choose our brain. We did not get to choose our prenatal or childhood environment, our parents, our family. We didn't get to choose. We had to adapt. And that is what we are here to do. That is why the soul is experiential learning, is because we're here to learn by experiences. We're not supposed to worry about uh, failure. We're not perfection. We're not ever going to be perfection. What we have to do is understand that we are people living with a soul, and we need to occupy our life with that soul, and it needs to be the one driving the ship. You know, we also uh, have to talk about a concept of transcendence of the ego is an awakening. That means that there is more to me than what my human life displays. You know, an awakening is a realization of the self, a, a waking up of the truth of yourself to the truth that we're all part of a universal oneness or consciousness. And the consciousness 
is awareness and awareness to the illusions of the world and the illusions that the, of your own conditioning and the patterns have created over the true nature of the soul. They take over if you let them. But the idea is that God is in touch with our soul and God understands what our soul is here to do, but he knows that it has to do it through this human life that we construct. You know, spiritual awakening is uh, once again something that that uh, Maslow really focused on with his hierarchy and his developmental stages. You know, his hierarchy of needs was very, very important. But here's the basic need that all of us must have. And every baby in this world spent its first year at least evaluating, am I safe? That's the cry of a baby. Am I safe? Do you understand my needs? I am completely, utterly vulnerable as a soul in this little human body that can't do anything. And I am stuck with these crazy people who bred and got me into this body. And here I am. And do they love me? And the sad news is, is that about 50% of our population are breeding stock. That's the sad truth. And that they don't care about their child. They just want to have something that's theirs that they created so everybody in their family can celebrate what a great breeder you are well be the parent you know because a parent loves and cares and that is how a child attaches to the world in the first year if they do not feel safe they develop what's called anxious attachment an ancient anxious attachment means that the soul is not safe on this world in that body the soul is not safe but it can't escape and so as an understanding of that, hopefully people understand that that is why compassion is the key for all kids. Always compassion for safety, for pain, for understanding. If we have that, we are letting the soul know that, know that you are welcome in this human life. You know, part of awareness is the recognition that, that we don't own a soul, but we are the soul. And that the soul is bring, uh, the being of light. And we are a soul having a human experience. And the awareness of your own individual consciousness, the expansion of that consciousness into the whole. So enlightenment basically is, is the embodiment of that true nature or self-actualization. The bringing of the light, the universal consciousness into the human experience, living on the earth as a human, but facing life's challenges from the perspective of the soul. Wow. What do you think about that? Wouldn't that be incredible if we all did that? Allowing the universal oneness to come through you. You and the universe are inseparable. You and others in this world are inseparable. Uh, you and other beings in this world are un, uh, un, inseparable. That we're all a part of each other. And we need to tap into that. We need to tap into the perspective of, once again, what is right and compassion for pain. The awakening is a recognition of your soul's existence. Enlightenment is the return of your soul into the universal essence of living. So universal consciousness is a source and an enrichment that is available to all of us in whatever reality we choose to live and align with. That means we find beauty everywhere we go. We look for what we're grateful for everywhere we go, even in prison even in a concentration camp like Viktor Frankl did. 
We find things that we are grateful for. We find memories that we are grateful to have. You know, we see that we don't just stare at the environment we're in. We have to bring something to it. That's the important part of meaning. You know, the vastness of knowledge can be a huge tapestry from which an individual group can choose uh, as something that's important. But you got to understand there's a vast difference between what is called intelligence and what is called wisdom. Wisdom is the wisdom of our souls, the wisdom of understanding what our souls need to make it through this human life. And the intelligence is the byproduct of our human life, which is gathered by learning things from each other about how to live in this life and how to get by in this life and how to do well in this life. You know, organized religion seeks to provide one version of the truth to those that want to believe in one particular version. And that's okay. But we all get to enlightenment by different routes. You know, all religions hold an element of universal truth, and that's called doctrine. And we have to be understanding that doctrine is a human thing. Doctrine is not necessarily a spiritual thing. And so many people will fall into doctrine and think that they're safe because they fall behind a doctrine. So, for instance, if I'm going to believe that I have to pray through the saints, if I pray through the saints as a Catholic, that's going to get me to heaven. Well, that's doctrine. Okay. Does that really mean you're going to get to go to heaven? We don't know, but that's what they believe. And that's okay. But these are all techniques. And that's the sad part about doctrine. It is techniques. It is not actual legitimate soul-driven ways that our lives can connect with each other and the world. You know, science is now starting to offer input on the non-physical, providing an alternative view of spirituality, describing it as the currency of energy. Yes, that is a term. You know, quantum physics, citing neurological and biological explanations for our, our spiritual experiences. Yes, science would love to put our souls in a bottle and examine them. You know, awakening for many is triggered by the major life-altering experiences such as death, severe chronic illness, trauma, which in turn motivates a search for answers in the meaning of existence and is the existence of God there. Well, you know, it's interesting because if you've witnessed death, you actually see the soul leaving the human body. The last breath. Yes, that's it. You know it's that. We all know it's that. It's just, do you want to deny that it's that is the real question. And you can spend your life doing that, but what a waste of time, you know, and, and, and what a waste of self-understanding. You know, the traumatic loss and grieving is really important to understand. If I'm going to lose an elder person or somebody in my life, a brother, a sister, whatever, if I'm going to lose someone in my life, I want to celebrate their life. I want to celebrate what their soul accomplished in this life. That is what we are owe each other after we die. We don't have to sit around and worry about how we die. We want to worry about, we want to concern ourselves with what did this person want for me? What the person want for me in my life so I can do what they wanted me to do in my life, even though I wouldn't do it for myself, I'll do it for them. Do it for them. And guess what? You've brought their soul into your life. You've allowed their soul's learning to motivate you to do something better for yourself. 
people who go down you know the idea of loss and find that spirituality is a thing that has been missing in their life which sadly when people are in pain that's why they go to church that's why we have congregations it's not to sit there and listen to the preacher it's not to do everything that the elders expect us to do in the church what it is is we owe each other to understand that all of us are in pain and we need to identify it in each other and comfort each other that's why small groups are really important because they give you an intimate view of people's pain and identifying with that we're there in religion, we are there from a spiritual perspective because we're in pain, and we owe it to each other to give comfort for that. That's called a congregation. You know, it, it, a lot of people look at life and go, is that it? Is that all there is? You know, why are we here? Why am I here? You know, are we just here to work hard, procreate, die? Well, you can. That's your human life. Do you need to know why you're here? Ask your soul, because whatever you're passionate about, whatever lights your soul up, is the essence of why you're here. There's your answer. You can find it right there. But what if you don't believe you have a soul? How do you, how do you wake up without a trauma or a death or of someone you love? Yep, they died. Well, on move, let's move on. You know, come on. That is so stupid. We owe it to each other to learn from each other. We have to learn how to live from each other. You know, we're born with our souls intact, but our examples are all around us. And we want to follow those examples. And we want to understand that they're there. And we want to understand what is the most important part of why they're there. You know, my grandmother, I've talked about her before. She was, uh, she sat in a, a rocking chair. And she was the most grateful person I ever knew. She wrote Christmas cards, hand-wrote letters, starting in June, as far as Christmas was concerned. People crowded her house on weekends constantly. They loved to help her. They would paint her house, they'd mow her lawn, fix her car, whatever. But that was because she was a grateful person. And she understood how important her soul was to her very existence. It connected her to other people. They heard things from her about themselves that they never heard from their own parents, from people, the person they're married to, their children, their family. They heard stuff about themselves that was good. That's what we crave in this life, gratefulness. You know, our ego grows as we take on beliefs and behaviors pass on to us from our families, our relationships, our communities, our education, the media. And the media, now that it's so corrupt, is corrupting our souls into these tribal groupthink idiots that we they want us all to be. They, they think we're like two-year-olds. But we have a deeper self, and we need to plug into that. You know, we believe in the limitations of our world, and the little me starts to take on guilt and shame and unloving beliefs about ourselves and others. We believe that we are those limitations, but we're not. What breaks the wall down is the soul. The soul has will. The soul decides what it wants, and it will get it. But you have to tap into that. With our egos in charge of our human vehicle, we end our childhoods, you know, we end our childhoods farther away from our souls than we ever intended to be. And the farther down the path of disconnectedness we go into our adult life, the harder it is to get back to our soul. But the soul is always there reminding us of our true selves, saying, hey, life is better than what you're doing. 
You don't have to make friends with these bunch of idiots. You don't have to smoke pot. You don't have to take the drugs. You don't have to drink alcohol all the time. You, you don't have to be nasty to your spouse. You don't have to beat your children. You don't have to yell at your children. You can do other things. It's just your ego is too strong to do the right thing. That's the sad part. But the, the soul is always reminding you of that. And the soul always wants us to return back to ourselves, our better selves. It's also its mission is to lead you home. That means death. Yes, lead you to death. So the salvation of the soul is probably one of the most misunderstood concepts in all churches. Most people think that salvation of the spirit and the salvation of the soul are the same thing. Uh, but the salvation of a person's spirit is very simple. You know, you, you are basically, your soul is going to heaven. Your soul is going, let's say if you're a Buddhist, they're going to another life. Or a Hindu, you know, maybe your soul is generating into another life where you're going to learn a new set of skills. And maybe you'll carry some of those skills into the next life and the next life. You know, it, it, there's all kinds of concepts about what spirituality can be. But you, the truth is, the death of our body is the birth of our soul. It's our soul leaving the body and expanding on a new journey elsewhere. You know, and, and the soul is saved by the faith in Christ. You know, soul being saved based on the, uh, the faithfulness of a believer. If you're a Christian, that's what it is. It's about your soul not your human life. Death is about your soul. You need to remember that. It's about that. It's not about the pain you're feeling right now. All right. That's our show. I want to thank everybody for listening. I love hearing from you. And you could do that at voiceamerica.com, the Empowerment Channel, and Health and Wellness Channel, Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Now, remember, it's pretty wild that after COVID, we still blow out birthday candles. Also, messy rooms are there to be a daily fitness workout. Also, if your partner makes you angry, just stare at them through your fork and fantasize that they're in jail. One more. Sisters can be like fat thighs. They stick together. And I know because I got three of them. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. 